Winston Churchill gave a speech to the people of Britain as they were fighting the Nazis and so forth. He gave this speech and he says, look, we're going to continue to fight. They've come against us. They have assaulted us so many times, but we're going to continue to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. We're going to fight. Um, and, uh, and then he says, we will never surrender. And the people were filled with courage because of the hope provided in his words. And they were inspired. To follow and to fight and to stand for their country. You know, sometimes we need words of encouragement, don't we? Jesus gives words of encouragement. He's so faithful to do that. And we need to hear from him so that we'll be inspired to follow the Lord and to, to do what he has called us to do in times where things are difficult. The scripture tells us in this passage that Jesus was preparing his disciples for what was yet to come. And he points them to the Father, to the greatness of the Father. And he says, look, I, I can't tell you everything right now. I'm going to tell you and I'm going to fill you in about the Father. But even the fact that he mentions the Father reminds them, hey, your eyes need to be on God. And the fact that he mentions shows that they only know somewhat of how great their God is. Jesus has got to keep filling them in because they know not even the half of how great he is. Uh, he also points them to different aspects of God's character and of God's goodness uh, so that they can be encouraged. They're about to go through the most trying period of their life. They don't know exactly what it's going to be, even though Jesus has told them that it hasn't gotten through uh, their heads yet. And so uh, it's going to surprise them. It's going to devastate them. They're going to be bewildered. They're going to forsake Jesus. Jesus knows all of it's coming. And he tells them about it in advance. And he prepares them for the trial in advance with these words of encouragement. These are the last words of Jesus' encouragement and instruction to his disciples before he ultimately goes to the cross. And so he provides this encouragement, and, and it's still encouragement for us today. We need to listen to this encouragement so that we too can be inspired to follow Jesus no matter what comes. And the title of my message is Inspired to Follow inspired to follow. Let's stand, just wake you up here a little bit, okay, uh, as we read this scripture. And you can stretch if you want to or whatever. All right. Uh, John 16, 25. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. On that day you will ask in my name, and I'm not telling you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, look, 
Now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous or take heart, for I have conquered the world. You can be seated. I have overcome the world. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Inspired to follow. How does Jesus inspire us? Well, he tells us of God's greatness. He tells us of God's greatness. Verse 25, he says, The time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. Now, probably Jesus is talking about telling them the Father's purpose in the death, burial, resurrection, and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And about the great love of God for them and and that's displayed and all of the ramifications of that that would come about. But Jesus is waiting because they're not yet ready. But he is directing their eyes to the Father, to God's greatness. Sherry showed me a picture this past week of uh, that, that was taken by the new telescope that they've sent out. And a uh, beautiful picture. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork, and indeed it does. I was reading an article, just kind of, it's, it's, I was wondering if some of the figures had changed. The last time I checked, there were, it was in the hundreds of billions of, of galaxies range. Do you know that based on the information we now have, they estimate there are two trillion galaxies? Two trillion galaxies. God says, do not I fill the heavens and the earth? I'm going to tell you something. We've got a big God. <laughs> we, we have a God who is so great. Every facet of life that we could ever face, he is up to the challenge. Every difficulty that will ever come our way, he is more than enough. He is the highest of the high. He is the greatest of the great. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He holds all things in his hands. And he holds you in his hands. Jesus said, no one can pluck them out of my hand. Isn't that wonderful? God is great. And and and. Jesus points them to the Lord. The scripture says in Isaiah, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. For he trusts in you. Uh, Isaiah 40 says it this way, The Lord sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Isn't that great? That's how great our God is. Listen, He is great, but he also is great because of the good things he does. 
Not just because of the things he can do, but because of who he is. Abraham found out that God is faithful to his promises. Hagar found out that God saw her in her distress and was going to supply her need. David found out that God was going to give him a heritage and a kingdom that would last and ultimately a descendant who would reign on his throne forever. Um, Ruth and Naomi found out that God was the God who could restore them and give them a hope and a future. Throughout the history of God's people, he has been revealing himself and his character. And perhaps in no other place do we see his character revealed than in John 3, 16, where he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. So Jesus points them to the Father, to his greatness, to his sufficiency. He's the God who supplied manna in the wilderness and water from the rock. He's the God who split the Red Sea. So he points them to his greatness. So how does Jesus inspire us to follow well, he inspires us by telling us of God's greatness. Secondly, of God's love. Look at verse 27. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. The Father himself loves you. The Father himself loves you. Do you believe that God loves you? It's true. It's true. And, and it is such a comfort to know that God loves us. You know, other people sometimes love us conditionally, don't they? Uh, we uh, maybe are in their good graces for a while, and then we do something that ticks them off. And uh, they're nowhere to be found, right? The attitude changes. And so, but God's not that way. Matter of fact, he knows everything we're going to do before we do it. And he still loves us. Isn't that amazing? Bible says, God shows his own love for us in this, then that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew every failure I would ever commit, and he still sent Jesus to save me. That's the love of God. One verse says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God loves his people and he sustains them and he takes care of them because he loves them. Uh, you love your kids, you love your grandkids, you, you help and you take care of them as you have opportunity to do so. God is the same way. He loves you and he loves me and he takes care of us and he provides our needs. And that love will never wane. It will never stop. One of the songs uh, speaks about the love of God. You know, if the oceans were the ink and, uh, uh, and every man were ascribed by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. We, we can't fathom his love. 
When I see how God loves me, it, sometimes it just blows my mind. I, I, can't, I don't have categories for it. It is so amazing. His mercies are new every morning. Your kids blow it, right? Have you ever been uh, upset at your kids, you know, when they, they're kind of frustrated with them or something? And I remember um, one day, it had been a difficult day, and I was a little bit frustrated and out of sorts, and, and, and Megan walked up to my chair and she said, Daddy, can I sit in your lap? And my heart just melted. <laughs> why? Because I love her. God loves you that way. That's why he calls you his child. God's, God wanted to illustrate the fact that he loves us, so he calls his children, but he also calls us a bride. Did you know the church is a bride? That Christ is the groom? Do you love your spouse? I hope you do. If you're sitting on opposite sides of the auditorium, I'm not going to point it out, okay? But uh, uh, hopefully you love your spouse. But God illustrates the fact that he loves us by using the picture of marriage. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, there's a book called Hosea. And God, I've always said I'm glad I wasn't an Old Testament prophet. But God had them do some really weird things. But God told Hosea, Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. To make matters worse, her name was Gomer. <laughs> I always think of Gomer Pyle. Anyway, God says, uh, go marry this prostitute. And so he does. He marries her, and for a few years things are okay. And then she goes back to her life of prostitution. And she cheats on him, and she's unfaithful to him. And she begins to bear children from her unfaithfulness. And Hosea names them really colorful names like, not my children, or not my child, or, uh, you know, <laughs> some things like that. And um, ultimately, she leaves Hosea, and she goes, and she gets into prostitution even more. Finally, she's so used up that nobody wants her. She's penniless. And so in those days, if you're penniless, you had to sell yourself into slavery so you could eat. So she's up on the oxygen block, uh, auction block, and God says to Hosea, Hosea, go buy her back. And Hosea goes and he bids on his own wife and buys her back and takes her into his home and cares for her. But here's the gist of it. God says, Hosea, I want you to do these things because you are a picture of me and your wife is a picture of Israel. Or to make it more applicable to us today, the wife is a picture of us. Isn't that beautiful? We are... Uh, there's a song I, I remember from... Uh, the past that says I was guilty with nothing to say and they were coming to take me away but then a voice from heaven was heard that said let him go take me instead that's the gospel 
Listen, if you're a child of God today, it's not because you're worthy of it. It's in spite of the fact that you're unworthy of it. There's only one who's worthy, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. For the love of God, it is so great. So, how does Jesus inspire us to follow? Uh, He tells us of God's greatness. He tells us of God's love. Thirdly, he tells us of God's forgiveness. Look at verse 31. Jesus responded to them, do you now believe? You know, they've they've been talking a talk, right? Now we believe. Jesus said, do you now believe? Maybe he raises his eyebrows. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But I kind of imagine him raising his eyebrows. And do you really now believe? You know. Um, Verse 32 says, Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone. He's speaking about their abandonment of him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Every last one of them would abandon Jesus. His closest friends would abandon him. Jesus tells them in advance, why? Because I think he knew how devastated that they would be by it. He knew that the failure would be so great, that the guilt would be so great, that he needed to encourage them about it in advance. And let them know that God would forgive them. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that God took the 12 men that forsook him. And Jesus appointed them as his apostles. Who turned the world upside down. <laughs> Praise God, he's the God of second chances. Amen. <laughs> uh, his forgiveness is great. And so Jesus knows exactly what they're going to do before they do it. He said, let me encourage you. I know this is going to happen. It's not taking me by surprise. And I want you to know that God will forgive you. We're told in the book of Luke that... um, Father had two sons, and one of them was a rebellious son. And he said, Father, give me my inheritance. You know, it's kind of cheeky, you know, to ask for your inheritance before your father dies. But he said, he said, give me my inheritance. So the father gives him his inheritance, and he takes his father's hard-earned money, and he goes, and he spends time with prostitutes, and he spends it with partying and just wastes it on frivolous and uh, wicked living. Finally, he spent it all. And he has to begin to work, and the only job he can find is feeding pigs. Now, if you're a Jew, that's a bad deal because pigs were unclean and despised by Jews. But the only job he can find is to, f- to feed the pigs. And so he's feeding the pigs one day, and he's thinking, boy, that pig slop looks so good. I'd love to eat it. He begins to realize, what am I doing? Here I am wishing I had the pig food. And my father has plenty of wealth. And he is 
his servants live better than I do. I'm going to go home. And I'm going to tell my father, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. And uh, he had his speech planned out. I don't know if if he had it written out. He may have stuck it in his pocket and had it ready to read to his father. He comes over the hill when he finally makes it home. And his father's standing there waiting. Apparently every single day. His father had been waiting for him. And very unlike elderly Jewish men of that day, his father just takes off running. He throws his arms around his son. His son's got it, he's fumbling for the speech, and he's trying to give his speech, and his father's not listening. Get my best ring. Get my robe and put it on his shoulder. Kill the fatted calf. My son is whole. That's the forgiveness of our God. That's how much he delights in us. So Jesus points his disciples to God's forgiveness. By the way, I called you disciples. (laughs) I know you're going to fail, but I still have a plan for you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to restore you. The full significance, of course, probably is lost on them, but at this point, and they realize it later, but that's what Jesus is doing. So can you imagine, talk about being inspired to follow. Somebody who loves you like that, who forgives you like that, inspires you. So inspired to follow. How does Jesus inspire us? He tells us of God's greatness, of God's love, of God's forgiveness. Next, of God's faithfulness. Look at this in verse 32. He's just finished telling me, you're going to all leave me and I'm going to be left alone. Yet he says, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. What is he doing? He's pointing them to God's faithfulness. You see, Jesus knew that all of them were going to forsake him, but that God would be with him. You say, well, I thought Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did. And the fellowship with his father was broken on the cross as your sin and my sin was put upon him. The judgment and the wrath of God were poured out upon him. But guess what? If you're going to pour out wrath and judgment, you've got to be there, right? <laughs> you know, uh, the Father stayed with Jesus through it all. And on the other side of it, put the exclamation point of his favor upon Jesus and raised him from the dead. Philippians tells us that because of what Jesus has done, God has highly exalted him, has given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I want to tell you something. God was faithful to Jesus, and he'll be faithful to you. Jesus points his disciples to the fact that God would be with him because He wants them to know that God is going to be with them. 
What would they face as they did their earthly ministry? They would be filled with the Spirit. They would be given power, and, and God would bless them mightily. But they would undergo persecution. They would be put in prison. They would ultimately, some believe every one of them would ultimately go to a martyr's death. But I want to tell you something. God never left them. Jesus says, you may all leave me, but God will not leave me. I love what David says in the Psalms. He said, he said if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will lift me up. He will be there. He will be there. Uh, when, when you have a child, you want to be there for them, don't you? You do. You, you know, parents just, that, that's their natural instinct is to be there for their kids. Now, sometimes we may not do the best, best job expressing that and so forth, but, but it, is our, it is our delight. If you're, if you're a good parent, it's your delight to be there and to try to help your kids and do what you can for them. So much more, our Lord. He is faithful. And he will be there. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what's going to happen in our country. I don't know what our future holds. But one thing I do know, our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. Whatever may come. So Jesus, how does he inspire them to follow? Inspires them to follow by telling them and telling us of God's greatness, of God's love, of God's forgiveness, of God's faithfulness, I love this, and of God's victory. <laughs> Look at verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. By the way, there's no other way to have true peace than to know Jesus. So that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I'll, I'll actually like the old translation better. Take heart. The Greek can be translated that way. Take heart. I have overcome the world. God's victory. Jesus overcame. How did Jesus overcome the world? Well, he overcame sin, didn't he? He's the only perfect man to ever live. Scripture says he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. He overcame and lived a life of perfect righteousness. He overcame the devil with the word of God, with a command of authority. The demons fled. He was tempted in the wilderness by Satan three times, and three times he overcame. He's still overcoming the devil today, praise his name. What about sickness? He healed the sick. He touched the eyes of the blind men. He raised the dead. What about uncleanness? He touched the leper and healed him. In, in Jewish culture and under the Jewish law, if you touch a leper, you would be made unclean. But Jesus touches the leper and makes him clean. 
<laughs> because he overcomes the uncleanness with his holiness. Every facet. What about nature? He commands the winds and the waves, and they obey him. He curses the fig tree, and it withers. Every facet of life, Jesus overcame. And he's facing the cross, and what's he going to, to do? On the third day, he's getting up. <laughs> he's coming out of that tomb as king of kings and lord of lords. Listen, I want you to know, Jesus is a God of victory. Our God is a God of victory. And you and I have him living in our hearts. This mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, there may be temporary defeats. Life sometimes may look like nothing's working, like nothing makes sense. But I want to tell you something. God has a plan, and his plans cannot fail. You and I can fail, but his plans cannot fail. And ultimately, we will come to the other side to victory. One day, Jesus is coming. <laughs> Won't that be a great day? Talk about victory. The church is going to be caught up. No more sin. No more sorrow. No more suffering. Utter victory forever. And we will live in the joy of the Lord, and Satan will be thrown in the lake of fire. Victory. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. <laughs> Talk about inspiring to follow. Listen, we don't know what God's purposes, all of, all of his purposes are. Our responsibility is to be obedient. Take each day, obey the Lord Jesus and what he's given you to do for this day and trust him. You see, he does the heavy lifting for his purpose. We're just the instruments. We're, we're servants. And we can trust him for his victory. Were the disciples going to have hard days? Yes. They would be shaken to the core. They would, be, they would have their life so rattled that they would be locked together in a room in fear of the Jews. But something happened. Jesus showed up on the scene. <laughs> Peace be unto you. The locked door couldn't keep Jesus out. He's right there in the middle of them and everything changes. And Jesus sends the spirit of Pentecost. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Whatever you're facing, Jesus can be with you right in the middle of it. It's amazing how I've seen Jesus show up at just the time I need. Now, I know he's always there. I know he's always there. But he shows up in a special way. And he ministers to us and meets our need. What a God we serve. It ought to inspire us to follow him. How does he inspire us? He, he tells us of God's greatness, of God's love, of God's forgiveness, of God's faithfulness, and of God's victory. 
Help us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that today we would trust you, that we would be obedient to you, that we would follow you, God, that we would be inspired to follow you with our whole heart. Lord, let us not uh, go through the motions. Let us not uh, just just settle uh, for a so-so life. But God, let us follow you wholeheartedly in obedience, trusting you, inspired by you, looking to you for all that we need. And Father, for those who are here today that don't know Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would come to know him through the sacrifice of his